Hello and welcome to the October 26th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is great to have everybody here with me today, and of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. Now, while it's been a few days, one might say to themselves, well, since the last podcast podcast episode, there's got to be a lot that's gone on in Mr. Joe's exciting and fun-filled life that he is about to report on. Well, I got news for you. Nothing really too spectacular going on uh, other than the fact, and I don't know if this is worth mentioning, but for those of you who do follow some of my heartaches and some of my horrible um, experiences with my <laughs> my quote-unquote, front tooth excursion. Many of you will remember that a few podcast episodes ago, I was concerned about my front tooth. Uh, I had uh, described my experience with a dentist, as well as the idiotic, moronic front desk receptionist. Nevertheless, only to progress to what I won't call more pain, but no significant reduction in pain up until about yesterday or the day before. And believe it or not, the pain is still there. While it is much less, two days ago it had me concerned. And I didn't think that I'd be able to get through the week without getting one final answer or some kind of confirmation that I was not going to walk out of my house one day and my tooth was going to fall out and drop to the floor. So I said, what better thing to do than to go to my oral surgeon, the gentleman that placed the implant screw? Well, I'm not going to bore you with the entire visit, but here's what I'll say. They took an x-ray. I nearly had a heart attack because it showed something that I did not think I was supposed to see. Uh, A couple of minutes later, the... um, nurse came in and she said the dentist wants a better x-ray because that showed nothing so I said okay you know you're out of the woods for now took a better x-ray close close up one that one came up on the monitor and I have to say I, I had some positive feelings about it and then my dentist walked in or my surgeon walked in he asked me what I was experiencing and after I was done he said listen goes, I'm looking at the surgery or the uh, x-ray. And then he went in, he examined my mouth and pulled my tooth and did all kinds of shaking and rattling and yanking. And he said, here's what I'll say. Let's just say you came into my office just to say hi. You know, no issues, no problems, nothing, just to say hi. And you said, doc, take an x-ray of me. I'd say, okay. And I tell you that based on your x-ray, There was absolutely nothing wrong with your implant whatsoever. As a matter of fact, it could not be implanted more perfectly. Then 
Combine that with the fact that I am now tearing apart your mouth, feeling and looking all over. You have no pus, no redness, no swelling, no looseness of the implant. He said, I got to tell you, I wouldn't even know how to treat you because as far as I can see, everything is fine. Now, where is the pain coming from? One does not know. Neither he knows, neither my um, dentist, although they think it's an infection based on poor oral hygiene, of which I had no idea I was doing incorrectly, or based on the amount of damage that I've gone through in terms of this particular implant, um, you know, between root canals and apico and, and one bone graft and two bone grafts and you know, two different implant screws. I mean, a lot has gone on. He said it could even possibly be some kind of a nerve that's uh, being affected that either is going to go away and get better or it's going to stay the same and I'll just get used to it. So I have to say my entire attitude to life in general feels as if it has um, improved over the last couple of days because I'm more at ease. I feel a little bit better about myself. Now, Here's the one thing that I'll report on. With Mr. Joe, with good news comes the desire to celebrate. Isn't that something? Now, while Mr. Joe is clean and sober since his last relapse incident, I'll tell you two things. One, I am scheduled to go away next week, Halloween Day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, to a location that is within driving distance but quite far away from Mr. Joe's neighborhood. And I will be going for a work event and I will be traveling alone and I will be around a lot of uh, professionals and colleagues that I'm very familiar with and I know very well. And it's a, a conference that I've attended probably over the last six or seven years. Um, and the second thing I'll tell you is that between the time I walked out of my surgeon's up until today, I've done nothing but think about cocaine. Sad. I know. Very sad. Probably not what you wanted to hear come out of Mr. Joe's mouth. Now, if I was to extend my bullet points and tell you a third thing, well, the good thing is I have not reached out to anybody and I have absolutely no intentions of doing so. But... I got to stay out of the woods, so to speak, from now until the time that I start my car up on Halloween day and travel out to Never Never Land. Because let me tell you something, every single quote unquote craving that one might remember, whether it be traveling and, and snorting, stopping and doing lines, smoking cigarettes while I'm high as a kite on cocaine, uh, you know, all those things have crept into my head getting to the environment which I'll be staying at and doing lines in the hotel room. I mean, all these things are going on in my head and it's been a constant battle for the last couple of days. And, I, and I'm hoping that this feeling, these feelings, these cravings that have come up so often over the last few days will go away, really for lack of a better terms, because we could talk about wanting cocaine versus liking cocaine. Or we could just generalize it and call wanting versus liking drugs. And 
cravings to me are what I would refer to as a programmed response to your environment and the signals that have been connected to you and the drug use through your own experience. So look around and that, that, that has to do obviously with the reason why I come up with this is because I think about the car ride and the fact that I am driving and snorting and doing all those things. So environmental, sig- environmental signals connected to my drug use through obviously my own past experience. So if you really think about it, what I would consider to be drug cravings are essentially, and we've talked about this many, many times, they're, they're those powerful memories that are basically linked to the effect of drugs on the brain's chemistry. And I would almost guarantee that if you were to sit a drug addict or possibly even a recovering drug addict in a chair and put a screen of some sort in front of that particular person, you know, a smart board or a big TV or something that could produce a slideshow, and you start to um, reflect pictures that are linked to drug use. For me, I mean, it, it could be as, as simple as like sweet and low. I mean, that, that represents, um, you know, cocaine or, you know, maybe a, a picture of a, of a bowl, a pipe, you know, any kind of white substance that resembles cocaine, maybe even just a pill, a pill of some sort that looks like a Percocet, a plant, who knows? I mean, I, I would imagine that the brain would instantly become activated and if you could measure the activation it would be off the charts it would be off the charts it would be an intense release so not only do you have that intense release when you are looking at pictures so to speak could you imagine the immense what I would refer to as neurotransmitter release that is brought on by actually doing the drugs and it's actually responsible both for the experience meaning like when you do it and the lasting effects of learning so remembering learning feeling what it's like and when it comes down to it memories are really the brain re-experiencing an event so technically it makes sense that I would relive a drug or one might be addicted to sex, let's say, might relive a sexual encounter or some other compulsive experience ultimately leading to a serious, intense emotional reaction, which is quite honestly what I would refer to what I am experiencing over the last couple of days. So when you think of drugs and you associate things such as what you see, things that you might hear, things that you might smell. I mean, my God, you know how many times that I've smelled cocaine in the air and it's not actually there, but you just get that that feeling, that whiff of, of a certain drug. 
So you got those associated areas of your sensory, um, you know, sensory parts of the brain, so to speak, like the sights, the sounds, the smells, and even your brain, those thoughts that are in your brain that are related to the drug use or the event in which you use the drugs, they're activated. So those sensory levels are activated and it almost gives you a very similar feeling to doing the actual drug, the, the overall experience of actually doing the drug. So what you remember based on the sights and sounds and thoughts that are in your brain can almost be so identical to the experience. Now, obviously, it's not going to compare, but essentially... I believe that's more or less what leads to the cravings. I don't know if I made a whole lot of sense there. I just know that this, and, and I, if I could simplify it, let's say it like this. I know that when I am bombed out of my mind, okay, intoxicated, in that very moment, all of a sudden my memory hits me and my entire body will start to tingle with anticipation, as if like, you know, it's, it's like my brain, my whole body, my whole inner self is calling out loud, my God, Mr. Joe, this is what we've been waiting for. Now give me that drink. Give it to me. You know, I never know to expect it. But when those moments and that memory hit you, there's no questioning that you are now being overtaken and overrun by a intense craving. And that would obviously lead to relapse. I mean, it's no wonder that people go out when these things happen to them, and especially on early recovery um, time, and they go out and they relapse because it's so close to the memories of using the drug that when that memory hits you and the entire body starts to tingle with anticipation, very similar to if, let's say, you're intoxicated and bombed out of your mind, well, obviously, it's safe to say that you are in danger of relapsing. So, you know, um, do I think I'm in danger of relapsing? I want to believe that I'm not. I mean, I want to say to myself that no matter how powerful this craving is and is attempting to take over Mr. Joe's mind and body, I have to keep saying to myself that I'm not about to throw my entire life away and everything that I've worked for right out the window just to do another line. But don't get me wrong, man. It's extremely tempting. And we're back into that general area of not being with my family and not having any responsibility, so to speak, being out of my element where nobody can see me and find me and catch me and, you know, just being able to do basically essentially anything. And, man, you pop in a little bit of mania, which is what I believe is the ultimate culprit of what is transpiring right now. Because for Mr. Joe, let's face it, Drug cravings essentially come from the manic mind of Mr. Joe. You know, it's, it's, it's really, really what it comes down to. And, you know, I know this because when I have a craving, I basically am able to recognize it for what it is. 
Um, I, I, I enjoy the rush. There's no doubt about it. It's almost like a freebie <laughs> that uh, you don't really get to control. In other words, you know, I can't go on all night long and, you know, pretend to snort cocaine. It's going to go away. But when you get that initial craving, um, you know, I, I guess to some extent, why not embrace it? Embrace it and try not to be as scared as Mr. Joe is, because the, the more frightened I get and the more I anticipate what might happen, I have to tell you, the more anxious I get and the, the crappier I feel about myself, which ultimately the end result may be for me to go and do drugs. So instead, what I'm attempting to do, and I'm starting by reporting on this podcast, is I'm trying to recognize that I actually do have control over this craving, that I haven't called my um, drug dealer, that I have no intentions of going away next week and doing any kind of drugs, and kind of just letting this experienced uh, memory of craving, you know, this craving memory experience, whatever you want to call it, just kind of let it happen. And then continue on with my work, my kids, my marriage, my podcast, and just go on with my life. And do I think it's overwhelming enough where I have to go to a meeting or reach out to somebody? Um, No, I don't think so. To be honest, I wouldn't know where to go right now, which is really, really kind of sad. I really wouldn't know where to go. I think I'd honestly, I'd probably go to my friends, you know, talk about it with them because they would be the ones to talk me out of it or stop me or talk me through it. And I know that as the days and the weeks go by, I know these cravings are going to become less frequent. They'll essentially go away without me having to go to any kind of doctor or take um, any kind of. you know, combat, combating drug to stop the cravings, um, you know, and that's, that's true also when you uh, initially stop taking drugs, you know, those cravings are real intense because the memories are so close together. And the further away from those memories that you get, the intensity may not go away in terms of how you crave but they'll become less and less frequent, I would think. Because let me tell you something, it doesn't matter how long it's been since I've done cocaine, that intensity level is still just the same as it was the day after I quit. And what it comes down to is these cravings that Mr. Joe is feeling, that some of you may be feeling out there, is actually just the reality of addiction. It's knowing what to do with our cravings which is essentially the key to our success and our sobriety. Because if we don't know what to do, the next thing you're going to see yourself doing is putting the ignition in your, in your car, turning that key, getting on your cell, and either texting or calling your drug deal, and the next thing you're going to feel or see or experience is you driving around in circles throughout a parking lot waiting for your drug dealer to come out. Or to meet you. Uh, and, and at that point, a lot of times it's too late. Because, <laughs> believe me, once we're in the driveway, or they're at our house, or we're in the parking lot, 
and we've scheduled the meeting time many, many times. It's too late by that point. You know, um, in my opinion, when you're an addict like we are, or for those of you that are addicts listening to Mr. Joe, it's more than just what we call a drug habit. It actually physically, if you are addicted to drugs or to alcohol, it physically changes the neurons in your brain. And it, it interferes with um, things called, I mean, your motivation, I would imagine, or what we refer to as our motivation center, our motivation centerpiece, whereas the drug use that you are engaging in basically becomes more important than the healthy choices that you could make in life. How many times has Mr. Joe been there? Then you have that reward center piece where the drug and getting high on drugs becomes connected to certain people, certain places, certain situations, so that those particular cues and factors will essentially trigger the brain to want to use and make the urge, you have the urge to use. And then, of course, we have, I guess, what you would call the control center or control centerpiece, Um, you know, and and that's essentially uh, using drugs and having him, associating your drunk use, I guess, with uh, being very motivated and developing a reward of some sort. And how best could I explain this? I I guess essentially your brain will forget the negative consequences or the crappy stuff that's happened to you that you've experienced through using drugs. I guess that's the best way to to call it. Um, you you, You know, we've all been there, done that, and we've been miserable after we've experienced some pretty bad drug what seemed to be fun at the time ended up to be a disaster. Well, all of a sudden, the control center, meaning we basically have no control, um, we're, we're kind of off kilter in terms of the reward. You know, the reward to us is basically just go for it. You want to feel that high because your brain forgets all the horrible things that might have happened to you during your last experience. It makes it harder to learn from your past mistakes and to control our impulses basically means it's impossible (laughs) to do it and i I mean listen how do we go about i would imagine mr joe has has discussed this because we've discussed drugs in the past and if we haven't discussed it i apologize you know I'll, i'll do it again if we have i apologize but i think it's always good every once in a blue moon for us especially when we are feeling these urges to try somehow, some way to come up with some good ideas in how to prevent ourselves from using those drugs or how to deal with the cravings or be proactive in terms of the cravings or the actual drug use. And first and foremost is something that Mr. Joe is not always able to do uh, other than 
what I would say, driving around and seeing old places in which I might have stopped and used drugs or being around old people that I did drugs with or recalling situations in which I use drugs. That's what I refer to as your triggers. And if you could recognize your triggers, which might seem like a simple task, um, it's really not because triggers can be absolutely anything. It's just the way that it is. So over time, hopefully we can re, re, you know, discover our triggers, especially the ones that we really weren't aware of because, man, every once in a blue moon, a trigger will pop out at you that you didn't expect. <laughs> you know, and uh, you got to learn what those triggers are. Recognize them and then hopefully plan for them so that you'll be able to offset the difficulty of cravings. It's almost like, bam, trigger comes, you're expecting it, you know it's there, you've learned it, you've rationalized with it, and you'll be able to offset that craving. Um, you know, plan ahead, I guess you could, you know, from a, from a personal perspective. If you finally understand your triggers... Basically, you could act in a very mature way, I would hope. And I know this might sound silly, but for Mr. Joe, there were times where I actually had to take different side streets and roads home from work to avoid passing that place where I used to use drugs. So I've learned my trigger, and now I've planned ahead. You know, don't go by the bar where you used to get completely bombed at. And here's where Mr. Joe fails, because if you think about my work events, or some kind of a work function, I mean, you obviously know that's a trigger. So, I mean, rather than be a moron, don't go to the bar. You know, eat dinner and go home. Because there can't be more of a trigger than that. It's just not possible. So, um, you know, it's very hard. Well, you know, when you're in those kinds of situations, but essentially, if you think about it, it's still kind of easy. You could plan ahead. And, um, you know, that's what Mr. Joe uh, plans on doing for this particular trip. I have, I plan on mapping this entire trip out to make sure that I stay clean and sober. I'm not even going to have a single sip of a drink. Not going to happen. I'm just going to go there and do business and engage in the business that I have to go and do. And you know what? If I have an urge or craving, I'm going to accept it. And rather than fight it, that intense craving to get bombed or to use those drugs, I'm just going to accept the, I'm going to accept the craving. And I'm going to write it out. I, I really am. Because I know this, and I know this from all the way back in my AA meetings, all the way back in talking to specific therapists when I was in recovery programs, that most urges disappear in about 10 minutes, maybe 15 the most. And the key is if they're not leaving you in that amount of time, well, then you got to remove yourself from the situation that you're in, which could possibly be bringing on those urges. I know it sounds simple, and I know it's not, 
okay? But usually if you ride it out, within 10 to 15 minutes, those urges are gone. And obviously if they're not gone, you may be around certain people, places, or things that are prompting these cravings to occur. And that means get the hell out of there, okay? Um, you know, try to think rationally. It's, you know, and I do this a lot. And it's this is part of that forgetting about the consequences and, and not giving a crap about what you went through and the experiences you had. But think to yourself, do I want to wake up feeling like crap, hungover, ashamed, feeling guilty, and absolutely, completely filled and bombarded with anxiety? You know, if you're going to sit there and think, and I've thought like this before, that there is no way that I'm going to be able to fight this, I might as well just have a drink, get it over with, and, you know, just end it. Well, that's counterproductive, because I promise you, you're going to end up hugging the toilet bowl (laughs) at some point. So if you are thinking along the lines that there's no way you could fight this and I'm just going to go ahead and have one, might as well, well, it's not worth it, I might as well not even get into this battle with my brain because I'm going to lose anyway. Well, if those are the thoughts you're having, they need to be stopped immediately. You know, and if a situation is causing you to want to drink, you need to examine your thoughts. You know, you're having a crappy day at work, and somebody just yelled at you or told you you're doing a, a pitiful job at your at your um, assignment. Instead of rushing off to that bar, you know, analyze what just happened. Take and examine some of the information that was presented to you and think about improving. Next time, instead of drowning your sorrows at a local bar, in Mr. Joe's neighborhood. Try to find distractions if you can. You know, if a stressful situation is unable to be avoided, everybody, well, then you got to distract yourself. It's a great way to overcome urges. Um, I mean, how you go about this, I, I really don't know. Maybe you create a list of some sort, sort of healthy distractions that you can actually turn to if a craving is so overwhelming so that you don't have to think too much about that craving. Literally, you know, put it on your phone, put it on a piece of paper, rip it out. Just rip it out and start reading all the healthy choices that you have in front of your face. You know, I I could go for a walk. You know, if the weather is nice, I'm going to jump in the pool. I'm going to call a buddy. I'm going to read an article online. I'm going to... I don't know, clean obsessively throughout my house. I'm going to go to the gym, which actually would be probably the best choice that you could choose because that's when you start to activate uh, those endorphins, and that helps you reduce the stress and the anxiety that is associated with the cravings. Now, listen, guys, I mean, there are so many things to remember when you have a craving or so many things to work out in your brain it takes time especially if you're new at this and relapse is absolutely 100% a natural part of the addiction disease it just is 
And when we experience these triggers or these cravings like Mr. Joe is feeling right now, it's, it's a normal part of recovery. And instead of feeling down and out and guilty and horrible and depressed, you know, we have to stay f- positive, got to stay focused. And that allows us to lead a healthy, happy, joyful, productive lifestyle rather than taking that weak way out and and weak I don't even know weak is the proper term because you know what many times I've referred to myself as being weak when I've relapsed and you know what if it's a disease like we all believe it is and I do believe that well would it be fair to say if you lost your battle with cancer or if you lost your battle with diabetes I mean does that make us weak you know if you lost your battle for the moment with your bipolar disorder. You know, you said to yourself, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy this week. And all of a sudden, a mood episode comes on and you're completely depressed. Does that make you weak? I think not. So I don't even think weak is the right word. I just think that, you know, you have to, you got to learn from your mistakes, obviously, and your own experiences um, you know, if you have to get into a 12-step program, I mean, honestly, I, I'm, I've never been one to do that mindful mediation, you know, that peaceful practice. Um, I've never been one, I, you know, but I hear it works. Maybe that's something that you should try. I, I have no idea. But, you know, if these cravings are too intense, man, what the hell is, what's the difference? Give it all a shot. Give it all a shot. And, you know, listen, I'm really sorry that I shared this feeling with you today because the last thing I want you to do is hit the play button and for Mr. Joe to prompt you to have any kind of cravings or feel any kind of, or or for this to trigger you. I, I really didn't want that to happen. It's more or less me sharing what I'm feeling like I always do and being honest on Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast and... It was meant, I guess, as a learning tool um, to, to once again express to my audience how vulnerable we all are, that we are never out of danger when it comes to our addiction, never out of danger when it comes to our mental illness, but both of those things can always and forever be controlled if we go about it in a smart and productive and thoughtful way. You know, we could probably stay clean and sober and once again, make sure that that bipolar or mental illness doesn't take control over us and we make sure that we control that. Thank you guys for listening. In closing, I'd like to say to you, if you are currently doing well with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to work hard. Very important. If you love or care about somebody with a mental illness, um, support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness or an addiction for that matter, and you have cravings, (laughs) I ask you to keep fighting, keep battling, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Everybody have a great day. Talk to you again real soon. Bye.